Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. I am here with Shukri and Amir and we are going to be talking about structures, the very interesting and important subject about structures, mostly because I get asked the question, what happens when we buy commercial property and there's positive cash flow? So a lot of um, investors going from residential to commercial are shying away from buying a commercial property because of positive cash flow. Because all of a sudden, they think they have to pay more tax. Um, they feel like there's added levels of complexity in there. So to demystify some of those elements, um, I have come here to speak to Shukri and Amir from Property Tax Specialists, and they specialize in property tax, as the name suggests. <laughs> so welcome, guys. Thank you very much, Thank uh, you. Helen. So, to start out, basically, the number one most important question is why do they need a structure? Why can't they just buy everything in their own name? Well, that was used to be the uh, old ways. You just put it in your own name, and then uh, when you do that, of course, all the risk is yours. Um, so, if anything goes wrong, then your house is, um, is, is, is left out uh, at risk. Uh, the other thing is, uh, is there a better way to do it? Uh, what are we trying to do? You've got to look at some of the considerations of you know what you're trying to achieve we're looking at uh, positive cash flow if it's all positive it's going to be taxed in your name does your family group have the opportunity to split income that may be a tax saving device the other considerations of course is land tax uh, particularly each state has different uh, uh, land rates and so depending on the ground uh, in some cases, with our clients, we found that it doesn't matter that the trust, for example, owns land because the, the component of the, of the tax is very small compared to the rent. So, and that allows flexibility. So if you have flexibility, you can split the income between family group, they're over 18, and you can save tax. Also, it may allow you to distribute to other entities that you have which may be carrying some losses. Okay, so just to, I guess, Give a scenario of what um, the the uh, not to generalise, but to just talk about a general scenario of the mum and dad, um, and let's say mum and dad, two kids. Um, we've got they've got a family home, maybe a couple of residential investments. Um, they're thinking of buying a commercial property. Um, one one parent is on a higher income than the other one. Um, they're both working. Kids go to a school age and they own obviously a family home. Now they were buying a commercial property and let's say the positive cash flow out of there is $20,000 a year. Now how does that work in terms of if they were just going to go out and go okay well if we normally buy residential we buy it in our joint names so mom and dad are both on there. Yeah. Now they're thinking well if I buy a commercial do they go and buy it in their joint names or you talked about structures and about flowing that through and distributing. Just explain a little bit of a okay. plain terms, how they will treat that 20000 Okay. Look, first of all, what we'll do is we'll find out issues about risk. Yeah. So that, that's more important on the capital side. Yeah. Uh, so once we've uh, agreed uh, who's risk and who's exposed, then we will go down and try and plan for tax. Yeah. Uh, to minimise tax, that's really what, what it's mm -hmm. all about. Mm -hmm. So if you hold the property jointly, then the uh, 20000 is split between two people yeah. and, uh, and uh, the half that goes to the partner with very little income, then there's no tax, there's a saving there. Mm. 
but the half that goes to the partner with high income, it'll be taxed at a very high rate. And then if you sell the property sometime in the future in a capital gains position, uh, there's also going to be a high rate for the person with the tax. So we start to look at alternatives. What are the alternatives available uh, to try and split the income somehow or create flexibility so that when it comes to sell in terms of timing, in terms of the value, we can utilize the marginal tax rates of each of the people involved. That's, that's a very important thing, the asset as well, in addition to the tax um, implications, the asset protection aspect of it mm. is, is also key because you only focus on that usually people at the very end, mm. but if the asset is in their individual names, there's a lot higher risk. Right. So, I guess one of the things that people don't think about is a lot about is asset protection. Um, why do they need asset protection? Well, what, what you've got with asset protection is the risk for a uh, tenant uh, who's done the wrong thing and there is damage or if uh, maintenance is not kept up to date. Uh, somebody slips over, a, you know, the um, sort of colloquial banana on the floor and, you know, uh, Coles or Woolies are going to be sued and the guy is rich forever. Uh, and then the, if you're a small operator, well, there goes your whole uh, asset. Mm. I think because um, there, there is a lot of differences in, I guess, when people buy a residential compared to, to a commercial. And I guess that flexibility is really important and about sort of asset protection as well. Um, but what are some of the structures they can invest through? Well, look, we're starting out when we're looking at the investments. You've got the individuals, you can sue and be sued in your own name. You've got the partnerships, you're splitting income uh, already and splitting the risk. Partnership is a problem because if one of the partners gets in trouble, it really impacts all the assets of the other partner as well. You've got companies. Companies are great for, for carrying on business because their liability is limited to the number of shares uh, on issue. If that's only two, uh, then that's the risk as long as you don't give personal guarantees. Uh, but then you've got the, the final thing is going to be uh, companies are useless because you can't get the discount on capital gain. Effectively, you won't get it. So that leaves you with a trust uh, or a super fund, which is a form of a trust. Now, the trust has flexibility. It gives you asset protection. It allows you uh, the flexibility to distribute to whoever uh, is in the lower tax bracket. And it allows it every year. All right. It also allows it, uh, if both of you are on very high incomes and you don't need the cash, it allows distribution to what is called a, uh, a company, which is at a much lower rate at 30%. So that defers the tax for another period. And then you've got the super funds. Okay. Uh, again, uh, the regulators are a bit hard, but you know, I don't think that they were talking more about negatively geared uh, residential properties, but positively geared commercial properties are ideal for a super fund, right? And the key is uh, at 15% tax uh, on normal income, that's pretty good compared to your personal tax up to 45 plus 2%, 47. And then in long term, when you do sell it uh, and you're in pension phase after age 60 and so forth, uh, no capital gains. Wow. So there's a lot of different benefits, a lot of things for them to consider. Totally. So when is the right time for them to actually set up this entity or have this conversation with you in their purchasing journey? So if they've just gone and started looking into a property, so they thought, okay, well, commercial might be my next step. 
So where do they have that conversation with you in, in that? In the, the best thing is the very start before they sign on the dotted line. <laughs> before they sign a contract. Because <laughs> when they do that, it's too late. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so usually what we do is we assess the whole situation, like Shukri mentioned, the risk profiles, the um, income, the family uh, unit. Mm -hmm. And based on that, we see what's the best structure for them. Um, also, if it's positively geared, usually commercial property is. So based on all of that, we assess and we advise before they sign on the dotted line. And time frame wise in terms of how long <coughs> would it take, say you, know, you do the assessment, you talk to them, then you work out what they need and then how long does it take for them to have that, in, just in the provisional vision of how long things take in the process? Officially, it's up to 28 business days. Yeah. But that's if there is a problem. Usually yeah. it takes about a week yeah. from where we start the process till the end, mm. um, if everything goes smoothly. So, if someone was starting out in this journey mm -hmm. and they're looking at some accounting advice of how they can, I guess, effectively manage their their affairs or to in terms of asset protection as well as I guess tax minimization and you know in the family structure as well, what are some of the tips you could give them? The top three tips or the advice you keep repeating to clients so they don't listen. To? Keep good records. <laughs> Keep yes, good well, records. all of us wish that. <laughs> look, we, we have a phone, we take a lot of photos, and we just don't take photos of receipts. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, the, the starting point is always we start off by inviting people to an initial consult just to get the, a picture of where they are and to understand what they're, what's driving them and what's driving their decisions and, and, and to, put it, to put the proposal for the new investment within the context of their environment and their goals ultimately. So within that space, we're looking at, as you said, uh, their family structure group and where they want to go, how the positioning of that particular asset that they just looked at, so they would have spoken to you first, right? They would have said, yes, look, I want that. So you would have given them an idea. Uh, look, this is a sample. All right, so now we have a sample of the asset. We have a sample of the amount of income that's likely. We review their positions individually and we say, okay, within the existing structure of your whole investments, how can we do that? And we make some recommendations as to where the risks are, uh, what the opportunities are. And, you know, we say, look, for your circumstances, you should consider A, B, C and D. And then we go from there as they feel comfortable uh, to move forward to the next step. Right, so if it is, it is at that point that you know the review of all the structures that are available for them will be looked at, and they will choose and uh, and discuss with us what would be more suitable for their for their uh, particular circumstances. Yeah, I guess, and a lot of the times that um, our clients they come on board and they sort of plan out for the next three or five or even ten years of what their purchasing goals or the ultimate retirement passive income goals are yeah. so we we try to really instill into our clients but also uh, people who are coming and learning about commercial property about the team that we that we build around so we, we talk about really importantly for them to understand the accounting and the structure side so that when they're buying from one property to two to ten properties in the future what is the right structure for them overall so they don't end up five properties in and they have records everywhere, <laughs> got mortgages everywhere, and everything's not fitting in. Um, so when you do your planning with them, what does a typical session involve? So they get to understand a little bit about how you help them in their 
So basically we start, like Shukshi said, with their situation, mm -hmm. what they need. Mm -hmm. And based on that, that determines the structures, mm -hmm. whether it's going to be individual names, mm -hmm. SMSF, or a trust. Mm -hmm. And from there, each one has its own compliance requirements, and we go through what needs to be done. Um, we find that a lot of clients who sign up for the annual program, which we take care of A to Z basically from mm -hmm. the record keeping with um, bank feeds and um, all the compliance, yeah. it becomes a lot easier for them. Because there is a big difference between residential and commercial, which a lot of people who are not used to commercial, um, which is the GST. Mm -hmm. They can claim GST and they have to pay GST. So that has additional compliance, which a residential uh, buyer wouldn't have to do as well. And long term, uh, as they come <coughs> to buy the next one, we look at their situation just before they go on to the next one. Because uh, really, by the time they bought the first one, their circumstances have changed. Mm. So you have to review the total position again and how you're going to position the next investment, whether it's in the same trust, whether we need a new trust, uh, what's preferable in their particular circumstances. Mm. Okay? And as Amir said, where, where, the where the administration can be streamlined, uh, it makes it easy for them. They just get the results, they know what's happening, they don't have to worry too much about it, but at least the end results will come out in the way they're expecting. And I think that's that's really important, it's about the end result, always for the clients, and I think it's very important about that GST, because a lot of our clients who go from residential to commercial don't realise that there is a GST component, and the question's obviously always asking, do I pay GST on it, should I register for GST? Um, why do I need to register for GST? So there's, there's a lot uh, around that and um, and I think what we'll do is we'll do a follow-up episode on the GST component okay. so that um, it becomes a little bit clearer. But in the meantime, how does someone reach out to you? How do they find out about you and, and what to do and how can they further engage with you? Yeah, go ahead. Um, our website is propertytaxspecialist.com.au. And we'll provide a link to, <coughs> to that as well. Yep, and like. our phone number is 1-800-800-TAX. So that's, <laughs> that's easy. These are the easiest We'll provide that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Um, or our, our, our email is the... Um, yeah. What is it? Reception, Reception. at propertytaxspecialist.com.au okay. as well. Yeah. Um, and just reach out, give us a call, enter your details on the website. We'll give you a call back and we'll see how we can help. Yes. Um, one of the things that most people get wrong when they go from residential purchase to a commercial purchase is that they don't know how the GST works. Often you see an ad on real commercial um, or commercial real estate and it says, 300,000, 400,000 plus GST and then in brackets it's if applicable. So my client comes to me and says, what do I have to pay GST? What is it if applicable with? How do we know if it's applicable to us? And then they get a contract which then asks them to tick the box whether they're registered for GST or not registered for GST, at which point they get totally confused. And then they try to find some stuff online and go, well, we don't have to register because you know our rent's below you know a certain threshold. But then their solicitor tells them, yes, they have to register for the purchase. So that all, that all sounds really, really confusing, which is why I'm here. And we're going to have an episode dedicated to uh, GST in commercial purchase. So tell us, guys, in your infinite wisdom, what, um, well, firstly, what is GST? Why is that applicable to even commercial property and not residential, I suppose? Um, and in what, what circumstances should they register? GST is a goods and services tax. It's uh, applicable to everything that uh, uh, goes except for residential property. 
which is supposed to be called input tax. That means uh, you can't charge GST on it. Now, why commercial property is different is because it's considered like a business. And the key words here is going concern. So a commercial property with its tenants is considered a business, a going concern, and therefore to make it and facilitate commerce, the government says you don't have to charge GST if both the buyer and the vendor uh, are actually both registered for GST and they agree uh, that that's how the sale is going to be conducted. So GST is 10%? 10% of purchase price. Of purchase price. So if you have a property with, let's say you're buying a $500,000 property and you have a tenant in there and he's uh, operating his business out of there and you've got a lease, then it's you don't have to pay an extra 10% on top of that. Correct. So it's GST exempt. Correct. But if, your tenant, if you don't have a tenant, you're buying a vacant property and there's nobody in there, then all of a sudden you have to pay. GST, and so it's an extra 10%, so in this case 50000 Now, do they get that GST back or is it gone forever? No, they get it back because uh, as you pay it, you claim it back as a credit against the uh, uh, whatever rental incomes you get. Yes, you do get it back, uh, but it's the timing issue. A lot of the time, uh, people don't have that extra 10% or they don't have to go to the bank for an extra 10% or the bank doesn't want to give you an extra 10%. So it's a timing thing and is designed to facilitate business uh, for people going into commercial property or uh, you know to make things because usually commercial property is housing businesses that want to go forward and the cash is better used for other purposes. Well you're coming up with 50 or 100 grand on a purchase it can dent your cash flow significantly. Yeah, yeah. And, and what about then, how is that, once they in, register for GST, then do they continue on with that registration going forward? Normally, you would do that for the first quarter, so that you can uh, pass uh, the sale, and then you would have some various bits and pieces of expenses, um, uh, setting up fees and so forth, advice. Uh, after that, because your rental because your rental, if your rental rather, is less than 75000 which means $5,000 uh, a year uh, in GST, you can sit, ask the ATO to take you off the GST registration. You don't have to pay it. But it does take uh, a cycle for them to make those adjustments. So you need a bit of planning around it, and we go forward from there. So I guess the thing is, is there's a difference between whether you're going to be an owner-occupier and, and if you're an investor, if you're going to be speculative in the market and you're buying a vacant property, put a tenant in there and then you want to sell that property, then that GST issue really becomes an issue because all of a sudden you might be buying a property and you have to come up with an extra 50k or 100k and might, you might just only have a deposit to be able to buy a $500,000 property, at which point um, then you will need to look at buying a tenanted property and one of the ways that we look at doing that is perhaps look at buying a property with a short-term tenant in there instead and then looking at in the future swapping out that tenant so the tenant might be you know, paying below market rent and then swapping out that tenant for a higher paying tenant and then looking at you know speculating and really on selling but for most owner occupiers you're going to be buying a vacant property so the GST will you know be applicable um, so what about... Um, well, then there are ways, so uh, when you come to that point, there are considerations one could put so that uh, 
it can be planned so that no GST is paid. Yeah, so absolutely. So, so really, the GST issue is something to raise um, and early, to talk early about, and just early on, so you can plan your cash flow and to plan to make sure you've got enough deposit for whichever. Um, activity you're going to do in terms of whether you're treating as a set of forget, whether you do investment, whether you're owner-occupied as well. Uh, and I guess the, the other question is, what about in entities? Is it entity specific or is it like just all lumped in together? Right across the asset, yeah. yeah. It's based on the, uh, on the business. Uh, commercial rent is considered uh, a commercial transaction, GST is applicable on it. Uh, as I say, if your rent for the year is low, uh, you have the option to come off it. But really, uh, it doesn't impact on the tenant because they'll get a credit for whatever they pay. Mm. So if, um, like if someone wants to buy multiple properties in one entity, so they set up regardless company, trust or whatever they decide to set up, um, but if they decide that they want to buy one or two or three in, in that, um, then they does that then the GST when they register does they do they continue even if the first one might be only five hundred thousand might be only collecting twenty five thousand dollars in rent a year? Yes, it'll apply to all of them. Yes, so it's cumulative up to seventy thousand. Anything below seventy five thousand is optional. Above you have to uh, register. And that's another consideration from what type of. Uh, structure you're going to have, whether you're going to have, let's say, one trust for one and another trust for the other one, uh, just depends on your cash flows and, uh, and the, the, the impact of a GST on the, on the total group setting. And when they re when they set up an entity, um, do they should they register for GST straight away so that they're ready to purchase? Or preferably, yeah. preferably because I I, I can uh, you know from uh, the war stories that uh, we <laughs> help your, some of the clients they come in. Uh, uh, the opportunity might just be there for a fraction. So you need to be ready to get it rather than lose the option. Mm -hmm. And if you're registered, ready to go, it just facilitates the whole transaction. Yeah. So that essentially refers to getting your rent entity, getting it registered, getting everything prepared so that you're ready to execute on purchasing your first commercial property. Uh, in a, in a very com competitive market or when there is a good property, and I always say this, if there is a brilliant property out there, it's worth fighting for. And that means that having your entity set up and not having it set up, and I've seen our clients lose out on deals in that space of time. So that's why it's worthwhile to engage the conversation early. And that's why we brought Amir and Shukri on so that they can talk to you about some of the essentials around tax, um, especially around GST and the differences between commercial and, um, and residential. So. Before we sign off, anything else regarding the GST? Yes, yes. Um, the, the GST works on the rent and your expenses as well. So the expenses you can claim back the GST. Um, so that is an important factor uh, to consider. Fantastic. Well, and how will they reach out and find out more information about what you do and then how you can help them? Our website, they can contact us. Uh, I'm sure the information www.propertytaxspecialist.com.au yep. or our phone number. 1-800-800-TAX. Fantastic, that's lots of eight in there. Or uh, email at uh, reception at uh, propertytaxspecialist.com.au or just call us up and uh, we'll, we'll get back to you. Yep, so we can um, we can obviously pass that details on to you in an email if you want to reach out to us at helentarrant.com and the contact us. Our page is also going to be um, some videos of Shukri on that website as well and also we'll be posting their link to their website below as well. So, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.
You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your working income with passive income through commercial property. 